I'm Cape. And I'm Drew. We're just two former student athletes who understand the game. Not just on the court. But in life. At the end of the day, we just want to help. Today's athletes and former just trying to find their way. It's bigger than sports. This, this is, is the Cape and Drew Podcast. Podcast the, the Real, real TikTok. TikTok. I'm Kate. I'm Drew. And today we have a special guest. I mean, I guess you could say for it, it falls in line with March Madness, Women's History Month. We got our we got our first Hall of Famer on. So we are happy to introduce Miss Jenny Dent. Did I get that correct? You did. You okay. did. Thank you. Perfect. She's from a former Hooper at DePaul University, uh, former professional athlete. And Miss Jenny, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. I'm doing awesome. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, it's it's a pleasure. I always love to talk hoops and how we can help out and, and where we are today. It, it's always a pleasure. I appreciate it. So for our listeners, Miss Jenny has the, the jersey professionally hung in the background just to let us know how real she is. I respect it. I can respect it. It's subtle. It was it's so subtle though. It's a conversation starter, you know what I'm saying? And I, I was doing it, I was like looking up stuff. I was like, yo, I was telling Cape, I was like, she was kind of real. Yes. So I'm humbled. I'm humbled. That was a that was a long, long time ago. Hey, legends, I appreciate legends it. never die though. <laughs> So, so the first question we always like to ask is, you know, it's crazy right now. It's been a crazy year. Um, things seem to be settling down, but there was a lot going on this past year. How are you doing? How's your psyche? How's your life? You know, are you good? I, I see this, uh, and I'm going to flip the question. I don't know if you watch I Am Athlete uh, with uh, Brandon Marshall and Cinco and some others, and they always ask this question like, like, are you good? Just checking in, like on a scale of one to 10, where are you across the board? So I'll, I'll flip it and ask that question and let you expound on that. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It is, it is a, a trying time, you know, for a lot of folks for so many reasons. Um, for me, I think I have my moments, you know, of, of kind of sadness or, um, you know, fear of the unknown or what have you. But I mean, by and large, I'm blessed, um, you know, I'm still here. Folks are good, friends are good. Um, so, you know, I, I think not only because of COVID but everything else, you know, being a black woman and what's going on in, in the community and, you know, BLM and everything weekly. <laughs> I, I had to take a breather on that, but just so many things um, politically that are going on and on on top of. So it's kind of a, a layer of stuff, you know, for me emotionally, mentally, and things like that. But by and large, I just try to take it day by day. And, I, and I'm super, you know, duper blessed that that it's hard to stay stay down for a long time. Well, that's, that's great. I know, uh, you know, right now the George Floyd trial is going on. And last night I was at a program, this a men of color program, and we asked the students a similar question. And one one student, one guy, he said, uh, you know, it was just hard just dealing with all the deaths this year. And he talked about the range of famous people we know, people we don't know, obviously the 500,000 plus due to COVID. And you think yeah. about that and you think about how we're just we're dealing with all this death and it's kind of like we hear about people dying more than ever 
and we still going to work or we're still going about our lives. And it's almost like it's routine. It's just the norm. It's like death is really normalized now. But when you think about it, when he said that, I said, man, I haven't thought about death like that because like to your point, my people good, Drew is good. My wife is good. My son is good. My people are good. So I, I guess I had to wrap my mind around what the, the amount of death that this uh, year. So yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Now, um, I feel like you, did you come out of high school around 01? Mm-hmm. Okay, so we're all around the same age. So we all knew about, you know, Hoopers. I was reading something that you were a big Kobe fan growing up. So this part is a two-part question, right? Because I looked up some pictures of you about when, okay. you, when you were hooping. And so I saw that y'all used to wear the shocks, right? And so for me, I remember shocks being like that deal before they started making them a team shoe. And then it kind of got like, all right, man, y'all do it too much. But when it first came out, that was like, yo, this is the, this is the new move. So <laughs> who were some uh, who are some people that you kind of watched growing up as far as when it came with hooping? And what was your favorite shoe to hoop in? Okay, so man, RIP Kobe, first of all, I think that is super tragic and horrible. Awesome player, much respect. Um, but uh, being from Chicago, Around that time, in the mid-90s, I'm a Bulls Michael Jordan fan a thousand percent all the way. And so I kind of had this like, you know, watching the Bulls, watching them win back-to-back championships. I was a a Jordan fan. Um, In terms of, you know, shoes that I hooped in, before the shots, actually in high school, I was hooping in the flight posits, the like iridescent green flight posits that came out was super super duper comfortable and then um my senior year i remember they wrote this weird whole article about it because i was hooping in the uh, kobe crazy ones the sunshine yellow kobe ones that kind of were modeled off of like the the car at the time something something weird (laughs) those were actually super comfortable yeah, so all, all of that. Love Kobe. Um, didn't hoop in Adidas a ton, but those were the one Adidas shoe that I did hoop in. So, so Kate and I, we were just talking before you jumped on. We was like, yo, around that time, 2001, like our dream camp was the ABCD camp, right? And so we never went there, but <laughs> that's <laughs> like they had like the pro models. And I was like, yo, I got to get a pair just, just because I saw LeBron in them. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and before it was like a year before him, they had these other Adidas that were like low tops. And I was like, yo, I got to find a way to get them. But like that was I feel like Adidas was like that's when they that peaked to me. But of course, they did you know, the Kobe's Nike. You can't go wrong with that. But yeah, that was that was some good time. That was some good hoops in that area. Now, were there any uh, females that you kind of looked up to as far as like during that time frame in Chicago, as far as like hooping wise that you would like, yo. I want to model my game after her. Um, you know, I mean, I in in high school, I, I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. So there was people that you heard about and only got to see when we played like the inner city schools and things like that. Um, a, a lot of them I did. They were like urban legends. I didn't actually get to, to see them, but um, I, I went to the same high school as Tamika Ketchins. Mm. um you know and her sister went there they 
you know, obviously phenomenal back-to-back state championship teams a little bit before I got there. She's a little bit older than me. So I had kind of came in as like a a freshman kind of just after they had graduated and and left. Um, We don't even have the same body size. I'm significantly smaller, but, you know, just to to be around that type of culture, uh, my high school coach, Frank Matucci, actually ended up going into the college hall of fame. And so, you know, I, I, I came from a great pedigree and then I had great coaches um, to kind of help me al- along the way. So, I mean, I, it, it was just being around them and, and being around great players um, and, and hearing about them obviously from Chicago overall, but, mm. but yeah, just, just to, to be in the same gym and in the same conversations is always super dope. I was, uh, I was telling Kate, this is what makes us all family. So we're all left-handed, too. Uh, <laughs> we're all hey, left-handed. Drew just told me that. Drew just told me that. Super weird. And hey. I had that. 32 was same, my same number. It was. Yep. And then I always be like, yo, Kate, what's three plus two? It's five. That was his number. That was my number. <laughs> so we're real superstitious. So it's like. So so we got we, we to spend some time on this left-handed piece. I know it ain't a part of the script, but when. You know, I find myself, I, I was kind of weird growing up. People, I didn't realize I was weird. So I, what I tell people is, you know, growing up, there wasn't a lot of left-handed players. Obviously, I'm, you know, Michael Jordan, the, the real guys that we looked up to were all right-handed. So the only sweet left-handed people was like Nick Van Exel, Jalen Rose, Catino yeah. uh, Mobley, and, you know, a few here and there. But it wasn't no, like, real, like, superstar left. Now you got James Harden, whatever, whatever. So... What I used to do is I used to have my TV on watching the games and I would record every game and then I would get a mirror <laughs> and watch the game through the mirror because everybody's left-handed then. And so now I'm internalizing the moves and practicing the moves. So when they jab right, it looks left-handed in the mirror. That's a little uh-huh. nugget for everybody out there. I don't know where I came up with that, but anyway. I don't know either. I that's don't either. A, that's the right brain left-handed. I had to get creative because again, it was nobody. I used to love Nick Van Axel, Jalen Rose. Those two were my go-to left-hand guys, but they did you want to look at MJ left-hand. And I started looking at the the Smitty when he used to do the left with like if you look at it left-handed, it looks much by the way. Things look much sweeter left-handed. <laughs> too. They do, because people aren't used to seeing it. They're not used to guarding it. So real quick, how was, was there an advantage for you being left-handed? A thousand percent. Talk about it. Talk about it. Why? Like you said, people really didn't know how to guard that. So especially, you know, being so young, um, I can remember uh, my dad got me into real quick my dad got me into tennis lessons Mm. and so I it was so weird I didn't have a backhand so I would literally have the tennis racket in my hand and forehand like hit it forehand and switch hands and then hit it with my right hand so I didn't have a I did not have a backhand it was the weirdest thing it I it got the job done (laughs) needless to say tennis is not my sport but you know, just um, things like that, just being able to kind of work both hands. But at some point, like I did, I don't know about you guys, but I did everything left. Like I write left, I shot left, I cut scissors, left-handed, like with everything the knife. Left. You were strong left. 
Yeah, it wasn't one of those like I just shoot a little bit and I can go left. No, it was like everything in my life was left. So Drew, you're that way, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm not. I'm the. So everything I do basketball wise, like as far as shoot, dribble better, you know, finishing kind of sorta. That's left-handed, but then right-handed. I write left-hand. I mean, I write right-handed. I eat right-hand. Brush teeth. Bowl right-handed. I dunk when I used to like that. Was, that's right-handed, right-handed is my strong hand, but I shoot left. So I, I mean, it was an advantage though, because Drew would tell you, I'd get by you left, and then you think I'm going left, and I and I finish right finish because. Right. So you know, I, but what, it's not. This not about me. This not never about. Had, me. I've never had a right-handed dunk. I doubt I had a right-handed layup. <laughs> <laughs> Drew was strong left-handed. Strong left. Listen, <laughs> it, but people couldn't guard it. Like they, no. it was just, it was weird because you know you're showing. Typically, coaches say you know you're showing yes. a foot or a lead foot, which you shouldn't do. But a lot of players do that, and you're just attacking because their because their body mechanics are so used to yes. guarding right-handed people. Absolutely, yeah, we definitely uh, used it to our advantage um, for sure. So. So you were a Hall of Fame high school player. Okay, real quick, give me your stats. I know you know them. How many points did you score? Don't act like don't. This is not a time to be humble. How many points did you score in high school? That first of all, that was oh so long ago. But um, you know, you know, the crazy thing is, is that for as many points as I, you know, as I did score, I'm gonna say senior year, I may have averaged like 17, 18 a game, let's just say. But by and large, I was a defensive stopper. Like I was a defensive, you know, junkyard dog. And so I I had great, you know, great footwork and I could pretty much guard anybody year one through five. And and in in high school, I was, you know, kind of a forward at barely, you know, five, eight, but I could guard six footers, six one, six two to to your guard. So, um, and I, and I liken that to just me being involved in, in other athletics and other sports. I played mm-hmm. soccer growing up. So that helped my footwork mm-hmm. a lot. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, it wasn't a, a points thing. I'm, I'm serious. It was points thing was great. And it was awesome. And I, and I became better at scoring and more, you know, a, of a selfish, you know, in order for us to win, you got to score mm-hmm. type of player, the older I got, but by and large, I, I, I think it was because, you know, I got after it. My, our teams always did really good in high yeah. school. And I was, um, yeah, a defensive stopper. So Seriously. you were first team, first team all Chicago, all Illinois. All state, year, yeah. Senior year, all you like. Being modest years. about one thing, Kate. It's a big, this is a game changer. What's that? She says she's 5'8". I looked it up. The boy I listed is 5'10". <laughs> <laughs> So you're really 5'10"? So she's a six-footer out there hooping. Right, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Guarding so much. You know, you know how, how they do in, in college. They always give you – I probably played 5'10". I, I, I will say that. I probably played 5'10". My shoes probably gave me an inch. So, right. yeah, let's right. blue roll with 5'9 five, five, on a there good you go. day. Let's beat in the middle. Okay, so you were a beast in high school. Let's just say that, all right? We snapped that at all conference, so we got. <laughs> we got. Yeah, you were you were a beast. We 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 read about you and we know about you. So for the listeners, you you got it in. But so you were recruited by, I would imagine, several colleges, universities. Yeah, what, a couple. What, what was it about DePaul 
that really attracted you? Why did what what was so unique and special about DePaul? Um, I think uh, you know I grew up like I said in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, it was it was a predominantly white area, um, and so I knew that the next phase of my life where I get to choose um, where it wasn't going to be like an HBCU. Um, it was it had to be somewhere in the middle. Um, meaning I, I knew I loved downtown. I loved being in the city. I loved, um, you know, just the shopping, the restaurants and, uh, where DePaul is on the North side of Chicago. I had access to everything and, and, and everybody. Um, so the school was pretty mixed. Um, it wasn't a, a huge school, but at the same time, if I wanted to jump on the train and be downtown Chicago in seven minutes, I could be. Um, and that, you know, that just gave me access to so many other things in, a, in an outside world that I had not yet experienced. It, it, I didn't want to be out in the middle of a cornfield somewhere, you know, and I, and, and so it, it gave me the best of both worlds where I felt like I could make an immediate impact on the team as far as getting some playing time and, and things like that. But also after that, I was able to enjoy, you know, being downtown Chicago. Nice. I'm trying to think. I remember I was talking the other day about just Chicago in general. You were like, yo, our summers are undefeated. I've never been. I, I can't remember being in. I don't know if I have ever been in Chicago, but I'm, I'm imagining like just what it's like. I mean, I watched the shot. <laughs> <laughs> that seems pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> Dang. Wait, so you've never been here in like the summertime, the springtime? So. I got an uncle that I think stays around in Illinois somewhere, but I don't think we, I've ever been to like Chicago. That I, I haven't. Remember. I know I haven't. I haven't been. Yeah. I'm trying to think if we ever played any schools in Chicago, Drew. I don't think we did. I always hear about Chicago pizza, like the Uno style, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> okay, the deep dish pizza, pizza. Yeah, 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 yeah. pizza. Yeah, pizza. Man, I, I always tell people it's like a clean New York. Mm. I mean, it's hustle and bustle. There's great food. We're known for our, our, our steaks and pizza. And it's, it's, it's great. It's a lot of energy. It's good fun. The weather, again, six months out of the year is you know, it's, it's, it's nice. It's, it's doable. There's always something to do. There's always a, a fair or, you know, place to, to get into and have some fun at either outdoor activity concerts. There's just, there is a lot, there's just so much stuff to do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. It's, it's, it's on my list of like spots I got to get to. I'll say only, that. only because only for me, I got to get to the MJ statue. I got gotta to get there. Just for that alone. I got to take a, you know, I got to do a selfie like. <laughs> fair, fair enough. It, no, it, it is a fun city. It's a super fun city. And, and I knew that I, the area I grew up in was probably about 45 minutes northwest of downtown. And so I would, I would come with my family downtown sometimes. And, you know, when we were entertaining company or cousins or things like that and, and come downtown and eat and kind of walk around. It's a great tourist, just a great tourist city. And so I knew that like, I need to be here. Nike town and Magnificent Mile, mm -hmm. like right in my back tour. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoy shopping. So I was like, I will be there and spend all my little money here. <laughs> so like, I guess we're, we get like a really good idea as far as like the college atmosphere now. And then like, I was able to see, you know, just through uh, pictures of you as far as like, you still have your relationship with some of your teammates. 
what was your uh what was your college career like as far as like your relationships with your coach you know your teammates and on campus and like what's one thing that if you could go back like and do what would that be oh man I'm still super close with everybody um my coach is still there hall of famer Doug Bruno he's been there for at this point probably 30 plus years um just it it was, again, it's tradition. You know, the, the court is named after him at this mm. point in time. And, um, you know, the, the, the pedigree, the, the players that, that came before me, I'm super close to some of our greatest alumni. Um, and, you know, it's those, those, just like you guys know, those are relationships that you've built over the course of a lifetime. Um, it's people that at, at this point I've known for 20, 20 years. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things that I do think about when you, when you asked me that question was I'm, I was so, I was so focused on winning games and, and being a, an athlete and a student athlete um, and, and kind of doing my job that I, I did miss out on some of the social aspects of being a, a collegiate athlete because I was getting up at 6 a.m. going to lift weights had to go to breakfast went to class came back from class had practice for two and three hours did my homework so I mean it was it was a lot of sacrifice so I remember one of the things that my dad used to always tell me it was he was like you need to stay around you know stay connected stay connected stay connected um, and while I have stayed connected with you know, my teammates and my, and my, my head coach and things like that. I did not get those networking skills around that, you know, outside of, of the bubble that I was in, you know, staying in touch with professors and, you know, building and getting those internships I missed out on because I was playing basketball. You know, I was playing, I was, I was gone. I was in a different city. So like, I did not do that and so I do miss and, and regret that I kind of missed out on on that part of it hey you are you are spot on with Kate and I talk about all the time and I, I let Kate talk about that a little bit more just because we always talk about like we were like machines <laughs> like you had this set schedule like and it was always I mean I'm trying to get to the league or I'm trying to like do something like I'm, I'm trying to play <laughs> so that part was just like ah. Uh, yeah, very regimented very it was regimented and it was almost like you know it was so structured and you know we work on college campuses and I, you see it repeating itself with the athletes nowadays and my message to them is like hey i know i know you're on scholarship i know you it's a job and you got to keep mm -hmm. that scholarship but please understand that you gotta, no matter what, how tired you are, how little time you have, you gotta network and make these connections. Because I know I'm I talk to them like this, you're gonna make it pro. I have no doubt, man. I, I'm not, and even the girl, I'm like, I know you're gonna, but you you know we retire at 30, 30, 30, 35, right? And God willing, you're gonna live another 40 years. So, you know, what you gonna do? And so, you know, it's it's just interesting how, you know, even after you play you don't have that structure. And so you don't have somebody telling you, you got X, Y, Z, you don't have, and that's the part that why like afterwards is such a struggle to figure out. You like, wow, I got all this time. What do I fill it with? What do I do? 
Well, and, and, you know, that's why so many of us struggle. And so nobody tells you when it's over that you got a basic, you on your own. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Good luck. <laughs> Good luck. You know, we'll give you, we'll throw you a couple tickets every once a year, the alumni game or something. But after that, the, the codes to the locker room will change. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You ain't getting no gear. You know, it's just. No post-game meals over with. Oh, Pre-game meals, done. Done. Oh, you, oh, oh your knee uh, hurt? You can't go see the trainer. So oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna look at you like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> you be all right. Go see a doctor. <laughs> Hopefully, you have insurance. <laughs> right. What you was gonna say, Drew? I was gonna say that's the that's the one thing we used to joke about all the time. Because so our, my sophomore year, I transferred to uh, NCCU, which is like an HBCU. Light and day difference from VCU as far as yeah. Uh, it was like you went to like this regiment big time program to like an like intramural type of atmosphere. Mm. So mm. I always joke like after even after I got done playing, I had another year of school and I was telling Cap, I got so much free time just seeing what campus is like. <laughs> campus is crazy. Like we got a thing called Chicken Day Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> There's a DJ out here, and it's like we never saw any of that at that at VCU. Like I don't even remember. We our thing was walking through the comments, which is like a two minute thing. <laughs> yeah, because we had to get the class. To class, the yeah. it was on your right. way to class. Yeah, like there was no hangout time, and that's why you hear about guys when we do, and women when they do get some free time, we go all out because we know. Oh, coach said we got the day off tomorrow. Saturday night is popping. And then Sunday, you you recouping for what you did the night, night before, and you right back at it on Monday. And so right. it's just it's just crazy. But anywho, um, so let's talk about these old school coaching um, coaches. And when I yeah. mean old school coaches, I mean, you know, guys and women that have been doing this, like recruited us, we like before us, you know, uh, 80s and 90s, they still going and they still coach. Yeah, but you got these new wave. We got these new wave players. They're just it's just a different time. And um, I, I'm did you see what happened in the NCAA tournament with Tom Izzo? Yeah, a little incident yeah. with the player at the end of the half and all of yeah. that for the listeners out there when he grabbed Buddy and Buddy kind of snatched away from him, whatever. Yeah. Um, what a, how do you feel about these when things like that happen? Or, and do you think coaches should like? change or you think players are sensitive what, what's your take on all of that uh I think it's tough I think uh I think these kids are different right they're different than than we were and so on and so forth it's it's always gonna they they seem soft but you know they're they also are going through different things a, a whole pandemic uh you know that we didn't have to uh, take into account for the mental and emotional um, fragility of it and and of them, but uh, you know it was that instance. I, I I looked at it. I looked at it again, and people were talking about it, and I was like, <laughs> normal. I mean, it it unfortunately or fortunately was normal coach player behavior. You know, he yanked him a little bit, and and it it could be deemed as as aggressive, maybe. But I think behind closed doors, you and I both know that coaches at the end of the day it's their job to try to get the best out of you mm-hmm. and so and as a coach you're you you know Izzo knows the personalities of his players you got 15 
different personalities of people that it is, it is your job to manage. Some of them need a foot in their butt. Some of them need to be, you know, catered to. Some of them need, you know, this player needs this, this player needs that. And so maybe, maybe that is what their relationship is. Maybe they have a, a fiery, you know, kind of back and forth type of relationship. We don't know. You yeah, know, we, we just saw it at, at that a snapshot of them walking into the locker room. Right. But that they probably do that every, every day <laughs> in practice, go at it, or he's on him in him because he sees his potential. And so he's he may constantly be on his head trying to get him motivated and get the, the best out of him. So, you know, I there there is um also on the flip side of that for me, there's just a lot of of pandering going on a lot of hand holding that I just I can't swallow to be honest like, hey, hey it's tough it's tough as far as like uh, sometimes students call my first name I just be like mm-hmm. <laughs> all right <laughs> and they'll say like Drew and I, <sighs> no but, coach Drew no not no, none of Drew. that no hey, Drew. coach um, <laughs> no mister hey what no, up Drew yeah, yeah. it's like Okay, I'm because gonna... you follow me on Instagram, man. Yeah. Don't, don't get this twisted, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I, I'll, I'll, cha- I'll challenge you in this way, and this is what I hit Drew with. I said, man, just let's just say we we're looking at it. So we know sports, we know how heated it gets, we know it's the tournament, we know coaches and whatever. But on the outs, let's let's remove that from from our perspective. The average person that doesn't know what we know about sports and how heated it can get is looking at. In that situation, a white man, yeah, going at a black man, in a way where that white man is looking like I'll be, I could, I could take you, man. If I wanted to, I'll beat you. And we know that's not Tom Izzo's. That's not his approach. He, like you said, he's trying to motivate. This might be the way they go at it. Whatever, whatever. Yeah. I, I, I look at it like there's a way, and I know, like. Uh, what's my man name? Dray- uh, Draymond said, hey, carry on. Business as usual. I saw he put that out Next. immediately. Like, right. come on. It, this is nothing. But it's just a very sensitive time. And, um, you know, just that that one snapshot of that incident in, in this sensitive time, um, I, I'm just kind of like, you know, and that's why we pose this question, the old school style new wave of players because I, I bet if I look buddy up on Instagram he's had he has over 80,000 100,000 followers <laughs> on social media and so that right there we know what that's doing to these people's psyche like so you that's why they hardly can be coached anyway because they think their stuff don't stink before they even get to campus you know what I mean and so yeah. that's a whole nother story but I think the, the optics of it make was just it just looked bad because he had a situation last year or the year before when he got into it with uh, the guy and they were like nose to nose, like they were about to fight each other. You know what I mean? And so it just looks bad. And, um, you know, it doesn't, I just don't think it sits well with a lot of people that have never been in a locker room space before. Of course, of course. And it it would be in my mind, very difficult right now. I, I have coached before, but it is the more that, social media, you know, plays a part in, in these kids having the ability. It's, it's a player's game right now. It, mm-hmm. from my opinion, they, 
these coaches, these administrations pretty much are at the mercy of an 18 to 22 year old's Twitter fingers mm. or, or their Instagram or their, their, they have their own individual platforms now to speak on behalf of themselves. They, good can, or control bad. The, they can control the narrative, basically. They can control the narrative. You yes. can get take, they go screenshot your conversation and be like, that's mm. not what you said yesterday. Here are the receipts. Right. Again, it, it is, you know, and so it, it's, it's difficult. It's a yeah. difficult time to coach. Every, everybody is on a different heightened level of sensitivity. You know, it, it's not only about sports. Unfortunately, there are so many other, like you said, visual Haters. images that we are, are seeing right now from the media regarding young black men and, and a white man. You know, and it's 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 very tough, and nobody wants to see that, and they don't want to just think that it's basketball. All oh, that's personal, you know. That's he's is he racist? How how is he as a player? And it, you're you're always on on the on the big stage. Right. I'm I'm really conflicted about it overall, just because like I was listening to like all the sports casters the next day. They were like, you know, you can be demanding, you just can't be demeaning, right? And for me, listen, like watching it. I wasn't surprised at all by Izzo. Like, I was like, okay, I've heard, like, I've been talked to like that. I was shocked at, like, the player's response. I was like, damn. <laughs> he's pretty, yeah. uh, like, he's like, oh, yo, I can leave tomorrow. I'll be fine. I'll go somewhere else to play because I'll be in the portal. I'll be good. <laughs> I was going to say, transfer portal, I'm out. Like, yeah, I'm, I'll I'm make up some excuse, and I don't even have to sit out. <laughs> so no, like, we would have never thought, as much as we wanted to. Now, we might get back to the dorms and be like, man, that mother, like, you know, but we never snatch away from a coach or like, I never- Buck up like that? Never buck Squared, up to a coach. Squared up? Uh, I mean, like, he, like, up like he like looked at him like, yo, I will fold you up and put you in that trash can. <laughs> like, I was just like, yeah. I can't imagine doing that to a coach. I was like, but I wasn't even, I was like, I mean, hey man, like Godspeed. Like, I, I, I see where we're at now. Like, I, it's okay. a play. It's a player's game right now. You know, the ball, unfortunately, is, is kind of in the, in their court and, you got to be careful about what you say and how you say it and when you say it. And yeah. it's man, God, God bless them for being able to, to stay in there and, and not be able to, you know, coach the way they want to coach or, you know, these coaches have come from these pedigrees and, and the greats. And, you know, it was a different time, whoever coach, you know, Izzo has worked with and the lineage that he's come from it is not the same in 2021. You can't coach this, the same way in 2021 as you did in 93 or 94. Like, no, yeah. you will get fired tomorrow. Like, we saw a Hall of Fame coach. Like, so North Carolina, of course, you got dude in Carolina. That's like the, the thing. And we saw like a Hall of Fame coach from Carolina. She got fired. Like, mm -hmm. or saying like little stuff like that. Like, just, you had that line. It's like you really, really flirting with that line, and it's like too much of flirting with that line. That can that'll get you fired now. <laughs> and so that and, was just and, like. And and in respects to the players, though, some of what they're saying in some incidents, there it's validated. Like they're right. You know, some of these coaches are way they they cross the line. I mean, you know, the guy at Rutgers many years ago throwing a ball at guys, and and you know some of the things he was doing, some of the things that have been said you know, recordings and some of the races. I mean, some of this, some coaches are in positions that they shouldn't be in and they're affecting players. A thousand percent. I, a thousand you know, percent. yeah. So there's that side of the coin too. I just want to put that on wax to make sure we're not saying, 
all coaches are right. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So just wanted to clear that up for the listeners. (laughs) So our next question is kind of like a three-part question. So, you know, what was your professional career like? Um, What was it like playing overseas? And did you feel like it was a major difference between, you know, college and professional? Um, There definitely was a difference. Um, you know, it was, it, my, my journey, I think was a little bit different in that I, I did get, uh, drafted. I saw that. Yeah, I did get drafted, <laughs> uh, to the WNBA, which is, which was awesome. Um, there was a lot going on around that time. Um, you know, long, long story short, I, I, I got drafted, showed up at, at camp. I was among, I was a starstruck. You know, I had I had been drafted to the Comets. comets. (laughs) So, like, who they have? Let's get some names going here. Let's get some. Got your 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 Tina Thompson, your Cheryl Swoops, all of all of these players that I the the WNBA came out my freshman year of high school. So, like ninety seven, ninety eight, it kicked off right, and I'm sitting there as a freshman, bought my Houston Comets shorts, hooped in those as a you know freshman in high school, fast forward to 21 years old, getting drafted by Houston. I'm sitting next to Cheryl Soups while she laces her shoes up. I'm trying to fumble together, lace my shoes up. <laughs> oh my God. Hi. Uh, uh, Tina Thompson, uh, you know, Cynthia Kim Cooper. Perron was on that team. Rest in peace. I mean. Was, was Cynthia Cooper on that team? Coop was on that team. When, like, that's my favorite player of all time. Her and like, Dun- what do you do with that player? What do you do? Oh my god! A dynasty, essentially a, a dynasty, a WNBA, and it was just I was I was starstruck. Um, it was a, a privilege. It was an honor. I honestly never thought like that wasn't my, you know a lot of guys like oh I'm about to get drafted. I'm I'm going to the league. I'm going to the league. That was never my you know mo. I just I worked really hard and and I stayed focused and I sacrificed a lot um and I was lucky enough to get drafted um but unfortunately you know wasn't able to stick I didn't stick on that team I I got for the first time in my life I got cut um and you know there's only so many I think there's like maybe 12 13 slots on on a WNBA team um and unfortunately for me at the time Tina Thompson was pregnant and so that, you know, last little maybe, maybe not spot, I'm sure they weren't going to get rid of Tina Thompson, who was still there playing. Uh, so I had to go. But, um, you know, it was just a tremendous, tremendous opportunity, one that I, I, I can never live down. Like that was an amazing opportunity to, to play at that level or to, to even sniff you know, that, that level of game. And so um, it's devastating to get cut, but you know, everything happens. I ended up having a long story short, a career ending injury. Um, I had kidney surgery like a year after that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it, it got a little real, um, something that I, w- I was, a par- I was born with and had struggled with kind of my senior year in college, but did not, I didn't know what was going on. So fast forward, I got drafted in like June, spring of like 05, just after my senior year. 
August of 06, I had major uh, kidney surgery. Hmm. So that was weird. And then having to fight my way back into playing shape and, you know, doing all that to only, you know, I, I ended up getting a, a chance overseas in Czech Republic a couple years after that. And so um, it was, it was, it was different. Again, that, as you all know, when the, the lights go off and nobody's mm -hmm. clapping for you anymore and telling you when to get up and when, when to eat and how to eat, you know, it was, it was a struggle. It was a, it was a struggle for me, um, being, being away from home like that. And, you know, just getting acclimated and physically, physically, I feel like my, my kidney surgery, um, I was never really able to fully recover from that. Hmm. And so I was, I was kind of hit after that, but I tried, I tried to, to continue to, to play on and, and go on to become, you know, something that I, I thought I could, but uh, yeah, my body was like, yes, it's, it's, it's a wrap. <laughs> yes, it's, it's a, it's a, so did you play any pickup after you, after that though? You still put, get out there a little bit? Not today maybe, but. Uh, I, I tried, you know, I did play a little pickup, but you know, you're gay, you gotta at some point transition your game to like the old lady game. And I, w I was such a slasher, you know, and a finisher at the hoop and I was, I was so physical. It was hard to then just, you know, go out there and, and, and shoot threes and, and have a little pull up jumper, but I enjoy it. I'll, I'll always, you know, I'll always love it. And every time I put the ball in my hands at, at, at 38 years old, I still, you know, will enjoy to go out there and play around, but it's, it's hard to go back and, and play around honestly to after you've played it at such a level division oh. one and being coached and and going it's hard to just play around I, I that's the best way i can i yo, know so many levels it. right now like yo describe I, it i was the guy so i can't just go back to like feeding you and i know you're not like that like i just i just well, yeah, so, ball movement. <laughs> so so for me and Drew, we always laugh about this because like, okay, so I hadn't played ball since COVID. Like I get out there and shoot with my son, but I'm talking about play. And so, you know, when you first get out of college, like we, you know, we didn't have any like injuries or anything happen like you just mentioned. But so we were in pretty good shape. We went out there and played. But as time goes on, you know, life happens. You start working and you go back to school and, you know, ball just ain't the same because it's like, you want to, you've competed. And so now you're going to the gym and it's hit or miss. If there's going to be that level of competition there, you don't want to play with scrubs. People don't got you don't basketball. Get hurt. You don't want to get hurt. And so <laughs> idiot that doesn't have basketball etiquette is going to close out too much. And you're going to come down and break your ankle and he's going to go on and eat some grits and eggs and bacon. And you're going to be at the hospital, right? Looking around the worst is those people in the little boot when you, your Achilles is messed up and those people on the little... Oh, the scooter thing with one leg the up, they're like 40 years old. Nah. And you got to go to work. And we and we in the office looking stupid with one knee up, right? And so- What were you doing? What I'm playing pickup. You still be playing ball? Why you got a black eye? What happened? So so my point is, and also with that is, the comp, you're right, that level of competition. And so I find myself going to play ball on campus with like students. And I'm like, you get competitive, right? And so, you know, well, you know, when stuff gets, you get a little older, you know, you're a little bit stronger than people and you know some tricks of the game, but it's kind of like, you know, you, you end up hit, you could hit somebody and hurt them and you lower your shoulder a little bit more than you should. And you 
can't do this, man. This Putting is that grown man muscle on them. The, the, the game changes. The game, you might get a little slower, but you've gotten stronger. And wiser. And wiser. So you hit different. You move different. You may not be as quick. Yes. You definitely had that old man game. <laughs> yes. The, the yeah. guy, I swear I didn't want to be, but you, I'm that guy now. <laughs> By yourself, um, like, you, I, I play, play with some students, and I, I might have a day where I was like, I'm not, I'm not really hitting like I need to. So the next day, I'm in the gym early, getting shots up. <laughs> Going through my moves, I'm thinking like it's like a pregame. <laughs> it's like, what am I doing? That is your name, you know, because the students will let you know, Mr. Johnson, man, we got you last night, or, or, or our team beat you in the I can't, I don't want to hear that, man. I'm still, I might be still old. competitive, always. Yeah. Like, hey, dude, I'll knock you out. What's up? <laughs> before our next question, did you, I just want to ask, did you see that Bradley Bill snippet? Have you seen Ugh. that Bradley Bill snippet yet? No, what's what's okay? So it'll it'll it's gonna really hit home to you because of like when you were talking about the WNBA, right? And there's only 13 slots. So he's talking to his AAU team, right? And he's like, "Yo, there's 400 slots in the NBA, 400. And if y'all get there, y'all gotta guard me. <laughs> and can't none of y'all well, ever guard me. I didn't let you take my job. And it was just like, so I don't think real. people realize like it's 400, like 400 jobs." And there's the six, there the is there is I just glanced over at my yeah my notes so in the in the draft alone just for the, like the WNBA give or take depending on uh you know budget restrictions and what whatever is right around like thirty six draft spots mm -hmm. so like yeah thirty six so that's like less than like one percent <laughs> around that from even your top of the line like Division one. Mm. good strong players like man i know you going to the league i know you going probably not <laughs> my aau coach probably told me like the realest thing this is when they only had like 64 teams i think uh, before they expand okay. he was like man the draft is what two rounds he's like man if you take everybody off you take the best player off every team in the NCAA tournament somebody's still not getting drafted <laughs> i was just like that's crazy I got to reevaluate stuff here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, pause for a minute. Like, damn. I know. That's real. That's real perspective. And he was like, and you're a mid-major. <laughs> <laughs> he was keeping it real for you. Yeah. He was trying, he was trying to give you some leverage. Like, man, think about think about other things. Other yes. things. So we got to touch on this because it's such a hot topic right now. I think it's kind of settled. I think the beef has gotten squashed now. I think things are right. <laughs> but What's your take on the NCAA dropping the ball uh, with the whole they foul. fitness center and wet and weight room and 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 all of that? I mean, yeah, but go ahead and speak on it, and then I'll ask my second part. Go ahead. It's it was disrespectful. I mean, like women want to lift too. You know, young women lift. I, I several of my teammates, you know, were were hella strong and, and lifted all the time. You know, they didn't just just like you know, men, like they didn't want to just lift when we had to lift as a team. They went outside of, you know, of our time slot and lifted. And so it was just, it, it wasn't just, it, like you said, it wasn't just the weight room. It was like the, the gift bags that they, you know, that they got and, and just, there, there were so many things that, that weren't equal. And thankfully somebody called them out on it. And again, through social media and its platform, uh, we're able to leverage a change. Thankfully, like this, this is crazy. You, you've got, you know, people talking about it and it was, it was a buzz and all on Instagram and 
like Twitter and things like that. But like, they they should have been they should have been embarrassed. Um, you know, a, a, a Title Nine. I'm I'm surprised that you know is there there will be more consequences. Um, you know, yeah, somebody's fired. Actions. Somebody somebody got fired off. They they better get fired. They had. I mean, they had to. Even if they didn't want to fire them, they're like somebody they got to. Somebody's nephew's oh, gone. Somebody's nephew's gone. <laughs> so so what were you doing? You were. Like embar- like it it was it was embarrassing. Like, how do what? you do that though? And so, I, me and Drew were talking. Like, how do you drop that ball? And then, second part of that is, okay, if they're gonna do this, knowing that these students or who somebody's gonna put those last, what has been going on pre-social media? I don't think they. I they must have not have thought that. That they would get exposed. That it was going to be right. This type of backlash exposed. Yeah, like backlash. Yeah. Like they they couldn't have thought. Somebody was like, "This is a good idea," and like, "This is you know," because again, being behind the scenes, I've been at on the bedside um, coaching. I've been kind of in an administrative role. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there was directive from someone up top, and they were like, "This is go to Dallas. This is you know." This is the food that they get. These are the the swag yeah. bags that they get. These are the, um, you know, this is how th- this should be set up. And somebody in operations thought that that was a good idea, and they, and no one, and no one bucked it. No one was like, "Hey, uh, <laughs> we need to fit." That's the crazy. Like somebody told you what to do, and at that point, I would have been like, "Hmm." like something is not right and maybe there was a there had to been a disconnect again the the men's side that planned and 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 executed what the men had going on and the women's side and there there was a a disconnect somewhere that didn't line up like everything needs to be the same and i mean we're talking about 2021 in a time when there's so many movements in regards to this. How do you, I mean, that's what I'm getting at. I'm like, this ain't, let's just say five years ago, maybe there wasn't a lot of, you know, uh, talk about these type of inequities and all of that. But no, man, this is like, like if anything, women should have had more. They should have laid out the red carpet more just to prove a point, just to send a message that, no, we see you, we value you. I'm going to get to the, I'm going to go to the bottom of it, right? I was listening. I'm a real big fan of uh, Bumani Jones on ESPN. I don't know if you know him. So he was like, yo, the NCAA has the money to do better by women. They just don't want to. (laughs) And it was like. They don't care. And I was like, he was like, he said something like they just, ESPN just paid 500 million to like have the rights to like the NCAA, the, that the tournament whatnot. And they're not even doing any revenue sharing with women's sports. Like, like. No women's school, like UConn, they're not getting any of that. And so he kind of broke it down. He was all like, there was this thing he when he uh he was interviewing Ice Cube like years ago, right? When our Friday first came out. And he was like, Yeah, man, you know, that's the thing with black movies, right? He was like, Okay, we'll give you three million dollars, and then you're the film grows is 30. When it comes back around, you know, we're still gonna give you three million dollars, <laughs> even though it grows 30. It was like, you're the king of three million dollar budget. Like that's Wow. Kind of how it is. And it's like that's tough, man. Yeah, like they could do better. They just they really don't want to. Like it's like they didn't want to. They didn't it's... feel like it. They didn't, you know, feel the need to. And it, I mean, there's so many. If you go back and just look at the history, the NCAA already has a little 
funniness about it, just in, in rules. And, right. you know, I'm sure you guys are, have gotten wind about the potential of players and getting paid for their likeness. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's a whole debate and people are talking about it and the government's now stepped in and it's been more politicized than what it needs to be. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's, there's just so many things that, that are, that were done inequitably and it's just like we're we're not asking for the red carpet like we just would like the same like yes. give give them a weight room we want a weight room that's equitable like exactly. you don't have to give us more weights but <laughs> to, can we get the same weights or you know the same stuff in our swag bag like scrunchies what well, i'm 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 18 like i don't need a scrunchie like like they needed no. to, you know to do better and they've just dropped the ball in so many instances and in so many cases um have you guys seen the um i was just watching this on amazon prime not too long ago it was the story of shea cotton did y'all either of you either of y'all we have that? heard of shea cotton there's it was a, a documentary it was a he's there's a documentary i'm on it <laughs> He's the guy that was supposed to have been better than LeBron. The LeBron. High school, mm-hmm. yeah. LeBron before the LeBron. Yes. And his mom talks about basically how he was, you know, done wrong. He ended up like messing up his shoulder and kind of like mm-hmm. sat out a year. He was supposed to go to school with his older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of fell through. And his brother was like, no, nah, I'm going to end up, I'm going to, you know, put my name in to the uh to the NBA draft and so he kind of pulled out from that school and decided to go somewhere else and long story short should have been an NBA player never was horrible NCAA had a lot to do with a lot of stuff there was a lot of rules in place that kept him bound up and couldn't do this at that time and it was just like so if you it, remember it was, Shea Cotton, it was a disservice. It's a disservice overall. And now disservice. he's 40 and don't have, I mean, yeah. But go ahead, but go ahead, Drew. I know what you're about was, to ask. I was gonna ask, so you probably remember Lenny Cook. Yeah. Okay, that story. Have you seen the documentary with him? I have not. What is is that on? What is that on? What, what uh platform? I'm trying to think how I, I can't remember start. what platform. It's been a while since we yeah. watched, but it's I'm gonna find it and send it to you. It's, it's called it's, Lenny. Let me write it down. It's it's powerful, man, because you know he was a year older than LeBron, and um, it's sad though. It's it's really sad uh, how he kind of got jerked around. But a lot of it, some of it was his fault. I'm not saying it wasn't, but y- you know, you you got this kid who who's promised the world, and then didn't necessarily deliver on the promise or anything, so the world forgot about him at the end of the day. And so, so, so many people it happens to though, like we were talking about. And that's what I'm saying. Think about how many people that you guys know. I know some people that way better, way colder than people in the WNBA and in the NBA. And it's like, they sitting at the crib. <laughs> they're, they're at home, oh, you know, oh, and, and yeah. there have been instances where, you know, they may have gotten injured or something may have happened, but there's people also around them or handlers or, or rules mm-hmm. that kind of stifled them a little bit um, in their growth. And at the end of the day, once that time ticks where they're no longer, you know, viable to the institution, it's just like. So right. That's, that's why Kate and I really, really. Thanks. Good luck. <laughs> because you think about like, there's no way LeBron should really be where he is. Like as far as like stuff happening, like, Everything talent, happened perfect. Everything yeah, like, that just doesn't happen. Like as far as just making everything had to align. Yeah, and that's the part. I was like, yo, 
something could have happened. Like you could have been anything. linear. Yeah, anything could have happened. I mean, even on the women's side, is you think about how much they struggle anyway. Just uh, and, I mean, you got to give yourself a lot of credit. And I know you do. You were you got drafted, man. I mean, you got drafted to the WNBA, and so that's something. And I, and again, I always say, like, I wasn't the tallest. I wasn't the strongest. Yeah. I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't. I I sacrificed a lot. I focused a lot. Uh, genetics were great to me. I had great handlers and coaches and people around me. I had a, a strong head on my shoulders. At the end of the day, I was lucky. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I got lucky. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God. <laughs> like, yeah. luck of the draw, you know, it, it, and, and luck and genetics have, have a lot to do with that. But, um, you know, not everyone is as lucky. The harder you work, the luckier you are. So, mm. yeah. So, you know, you could be as a lot of lucky people out there that didn't work hard and they had the crib too. Exactly. So, exactly. It's a co it's a combination of, of all of those things. Yeah, absolutely. Before we, before we have my next question, so I was thinking like, uh, Cape and I, we've been laughing about this all year about the NCAA and the stuff they've been doing. Like they could have been marketing Paige all year, but they went with Luke Garza. Like, <laughs> like, and I don't know if you're familiar with Luke Garza, the guy from Iowa. Like, no shade to him; he's a seven-footer, plays yeah. hard. But I'm like, yo, there's no way he's he's doing anything at the next level. Like, we what do this. this. Ray's like, doing beasting as a as an 18 year old. Yeah, you're not backing anybody down from the free throw line, Luke. <laughs> like, I'm about to do that. I just keep like, thinking about Luca getting switched out on Dame Lillard <laughs> in the NBA. Good luck. Then, Good luck. <laughs> I'm thinking you got this 18-year-old who probably be national freshman of the year. And we're not even talking about how is the other girl from Iowa? She led the country in scoring. That's <laughs> she right. went to Iowa. That's right. That's a great point. How do they not talk about it? Like because they don't because they don't care, Drew. Because things <laughs> that's like that's mind-boggling to me. Like, well, I just heard about this the, the freshman from Iowa this like during the tournament. Me too. When they played Paige the other night, that's the first time I heard about it. And I'm like, who is this? Right, who is this kid? And she's beasting, blowing, blowing folks away, shoot, shoot that thing. Like it's yes. just a natural score, you know. And it's just I think it, at that point, you know, it's up to us fans of the game or or former players and you know, shouts out to to the uh, NBA players and the LeBrons and, you know, think on the male side that do shot them out and talk about the the UConn play at the end, you know, at the end of the game, mm. the UConn-Baylor game. Like, you you got to talk about it. You have to generate that, our, our own uh, media and our, our, our own pub, publicity, essentially, at the end of the day. It's just, we got it. We have to do it. it it's up to us. Y'all not going to talk about it. All right, let's, let's tweet this person out. Let's tweet mm. her out and make, you know, make her and make her trend and, and see, you know, where we can go with that. But she's going to back to the NCAA paying people, paying players for their likeness. Me and Drew always say that women to me are going to benefit so much because you think about Paige, right? Or you think about back in the day, Maya Moore or Diana Taurasi. You mean to tell me they if they wouldn't have two million, three million followers at UConn and them posting with a with some kind of brand on their pages? 
and they getting 30 grand a year just for, I mean, it should be, it's it's going to benefit women so much. I'm, I'm so, I know so the I'm guy, so salty about it. I'm so I, I know, because I, I know we go, we you passed all of that. But they should, but, but guys are getting paid right now anyway, so they good. They, they already make a money. But anyway, guess, let's, let's move on. Let's move on. You digress. You digress. Uh, we won't get it. We won't get into that. We don't want to get anybody in trouble. No, I don't. Jenner can have a billion dollar industry. I know. <laughs> like the women yes. athletes can do something. I knew it. I just knew it. So listen. Uh, I mean, they're, they're they they are essentially their their own brand, and being able to get compensated for that is amazing because these because these coaches are and these kids are getting involved so much younger than we were, you know, you, you know, who's the hot hooper, uh, young kid, freshman, you know, Ninth grader, in high school. 10th grader. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. The hottest, you know, 10th grader, sophomore, always oh, going to be a beast. Like, and their people know who you are. So on both sides, it's important for the parents and their handlers to be able to uh, not control, but have a heavy hand in their pages and what's being put out there and what's being said. Um, because, everything is, is public information now. You can just look it up, you know, and it's public information. And so it's so important to try to get a handle of that um, the younger these kids are, because again, social media is so huge and, and so big. Um, and so it, it has to be all good stuff out there. For but sure. To be able to get compensated for that, you know, after high school and, and into to college, there's so many ways you can go with that, but, um, you know, I, I think it, it would be phenomenal and I'm super salty about it. <laughs> <laughs> so when you retired from hooping, right, what was that adjustment like? Did you kind of already know what you wanted to do after basketball or it was just like, yo, I'm just going to figure it out? Or like, what, what was that like? Because I know Cape and I, when we got done hooping, we did not know what was about to be next for us. <laughs> no. Not at all. I mean, not that that wasn't my personality. I'm a I'm a very kind of go with the flow kind of personality. And again, being a, a collegiate athlete, you're you've been told what to do since I since five, six years old. You know, you're this is what's next. This is you're in spring season, you play these games, this is AU, this is the so your whole life is pretty much being told you're being told what to do. And so uh, when I was done, um, you know, it was essentially, it was, a, I don't want to say it was a dark time because that sounds very depressing, but there is a transition that you go through mentally. Like, I, I don't, I don't know. I, again, I, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to get those uh, interviews and, and internships like some of my counterparts did that, that had the time. And now we're going to an actual job in the evening time and um, that, you know, that became teachers and were able to do those clinical hours and, and things that, again, I was gone. I was in, I was in Houston and I wasn't even done with my degree. Mm -hmm. If you, you know, if you think about it, like, it's, it's odd, it's weird. Like it was crazy. I went to camp and then I got flown down to Houston and then I got cut. And then at some point I had to come back in the summer and finish my degree and go, you know, back to school and, and finish my classes. And so, you know, it's just a very lost feeling, but I will say that I am I'm blessed as you guys have probably figured out being a student athlete was being able to um, deal with and welcome adversity. Mm. Right. And so like, that was one of the 
major tools that I walked away with as a student athlete was being able to and welcoming adversity and being able to pivot and figure out, like I've always just been lucky to kind of figure out, I knew that I always wanted to be right around the game and, and around uh, student athletes. I enjoyed that. And so that transitioned me into coaching. And then I got to coaching and I was like, mm, it's a lot of, you know, butt kissing, pandering going on. This may not, you know, everybody that's a good player is not a good coach, you know, and, and I will admit that. And so, you know, I, I moved into administrative roles and it was like, all right, I'm director of ops. I get to still be around practice and I still get to be around the kids and, and teach them the game, but not from a coaching standpoint. And, you know, I just now, you know, moving into, into higher ed and things like that and missions and things like that is it's, I still get to be around these kids and, and have conversations with them, real conversations with them, athlete or not. Um, but it, it was being able to kind of constantly pivot and figure out what's next, but, you know, welcoming, welcoming the unknown. Man, you, you going to the bottom of, I, I feel like me and Drew are not alone. Um, <laughs> and I'll say yeah. for me, it was, it was dark, <laughs> you know, it was dark. It, it just, what Drew would tell you, it was dark, but you, you said something very powerful in that. And that's what me and Drew try to tell student athletes. We're like, dude or lady or woman if you can do this like you can do anything like trust me you ain't doing nothing harder in your life than what you're doing right now ain't nobody when you work a job ain't, your boss ain't yelling at you you ain't gonna have to get up at six in the morning you ain't gonna have to make this time or do this now some of that trans is transferable to some yeah. things you're gonna have to accomplish and, and whatnot but you're right. If you're able to look at it from that lens of, man, this is, because me and Drew sometimes we talk and we're looking around like, this is all I got to do today? Like at work? Like y'all just, you think this is going to take me all week to finish this? This is an <laughs> hour's worth because we're wired to get things done. We're all wired that task. Yeah. to do the task under pressure, to deliver, to present. And it's, I wouldn't trade it for anything um, because it has wired us. We literally took what we learned through hooping and playing sports and building to the job and I, I think that's why we kind of uh, it's seamless for us to do what we do because we're like you're still is... you're still essentially recruiting you're, yeah. you're building relationships working you know, with a team you're yeah. still it's a team atmosphere always a team atmosphere Same. whether you get along with your team are you the team captain is 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 up to you your role and how you play that but yeah you know like you said they're all transferable skills all of them exactly. you said something man that just really reminded me like you said that you know, you was out in Houston, you know, and you ain't even graduated yet. I can remember I was working at this this power five school. Right. And the football team was really good. And, you know, football season ends in December. But I'm still in my head. I'm thinking like, you know, all right, guys, you know, got the rest of the year. Man, that last game, like we had a guy that was like getting drafted, drafted. He was out. <laughs> and I was like, so he's not even coming back. Now he's gone. I was like, now he's coming back. He's not coming after spring. Now he's training for the draft. <laughs> and I was just like. So what's like he just he just gone like apartment gone he he's in Cali set up already like I was like how does that like I was like dang like he just really it's a different did. life it is it is it is such a different life yeah so as we wrap up um, we always ask our guests and this is because this is in essence the the point of the show uh, what's something you would tell young women growing up who aspire to play at the level you did. 
Um, well, I think that it's important to have those conversations like, you know, like we talked about earlier regarding how many, how many slots there are. Like the, these, these are the statistics. I'm just, I'm just going to give you the numbers. Like this is how many of these 3000 players, student athletes will, you know, get drafted. Um, so I, I'm, I'm always very real with young ladies and, and, you know, student athletes about that. But at the same time, again, letting them know that, you know, commitment, it's going to take sacrifice. It's, you're already going to be gifted or, or talented to a certain degree to even, you know, play division one or, or whatever, um, you aspire to do, but just, you got to be able to give it your all, give it your best you know, uh, stay focused with a little bit of luck and adversity, um, welcoming adversity and with a little bit of luck, um, you know, you, you may benefit from that uh, and being and be, be able to play it at the level in which you aspire to play. But also um, it's gotta be basketball and, right? So like for me growing up, it was basketball and soccer, basketball and my mom put me in art classes basketball and violin. I, I don't care what it is, but it, it should be, you know, a, a sport that you love and great if you're good and get to play at that level. But it also, it's also great and good if you have developed other skills and other skill set for after, you know, you're, you're done playing. So, you know, it's okay to do basketball and it's not either or, but, you know, enjoy the game and then also develop other skills and talents outside the lines. Absolutely. Hey, Jen, you're making me look really good right now because, <laughs> because uh, Kate was like, yo, tell me about you, yo. And I was like, oh, man, she's pretty cool. And then just when you talk about just then, like, that's what came out. Like, we had a presentation on that. Just don't neglect the end. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We and so that, that presentation about literally don't neglect it. Drew came up with the concept and it's so true like all of us, and I think in my research, one of the things that came out was that people thought that if you had an end, it was like you didn't take your sport serious. It was like you had to just play your sport because if you were a part of any other organization or if you did and something else, oh, you ain't trying to make it. You ain't taking this serious. But no, actually, I've learned, I wish I would have learned it earlier, that if I would have had something else playing ball, I probably would have been a better player because I wouldn't have been so, ah, I, I got to do this. this. I got to do this. I got to do that. I, it was like all those eggs was in that basket. And so uh, it's just like anything else. I'm a better professional at my job when I have other things, when I can come home and do Cape and Drew podcast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, because You're it just, well balanced. Life, life balance. balance. You got to figure out that life balance. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, look, it's been a pleasure um, to talk to For you sure. on Wax. This can't be the end of the relationship. We got to get sure. out. We got to get some more stuff going and, and stay. Y'all need to come to Chicago uh, in mass, masked up, post-COVID, <laughs> whatever y'all want to do. I got y'all. Enjoy the city. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's make plans. Let's somehow get, get on campus and, and get in front of some people. And we'll just reiterate what you be saying. Anyway, make you look good. <laughs> yeah, thank you guys for having the platform. I appreciate coming on here and just, you know, answering the questions. But I appreciate, again, just opportunities to, to talk about it. We got to get the word out there. Talk about, you know, BLM. And, and these kids need us. They need our help. They need our guidance, um, you know, on, on what's next. Not just sports, but what's next. 
Absolutely. We appreciate you. Yeah. Definitely appreciate you. And uh till next time we'll be sure to send you all the information. And it was it was a dope, man. I, we definitely appreciate it. Hey, and yeah. South Carolina's winning right now, FYI. This is, we do it all right. We do it all right right now. <laughs> You're looking. Right. Thank you. Thank you for giving me that right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. You take care. All right, guys. Have a all good right. one. You too. Bye. Bye-bye.